This is the Thorn Podcast, Performance Edition, the show that navigates the complex world of sports science and explores the latest research on diet, nutritional supplements, and the human body. I'm Joel Totoro, Director of Sports Science at Thorn. As a reminder, statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products mentioned are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Thorn Podcast, Performance Edition. Joining me today is Greg Olson, retired NFL tight end and current Fox Sports broadcaster. Greg, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're excited. We're going to talk a little bit to Greg today about kind of health and performance, both you know during his playing career and into retirement. There's a lot to unpack there. But uh, Greg, I think it was a little too simple to just say you're a retired football player. Can you talk a little bit uh, to our audience about kind of your brief background to your career and kind of where you are now and then kind of how you eventually found Thorn? Yeah, so I, I just finished up uh, last year. 2020 was my final NFL season. I played uh, I played 14 years. I got drafted in the first round out of the University of Miami in 2007 by the Chicago Bears. Um, so I played four years there and then going into my fifth season, I got traded to the Carolina Panthers. So I spent, you know, the bulk of my career and, and the most success in my career was was here in Carolina. I still live in Charlotte and uh, played nine years for the Carolina Panthers and then uh, played one last year in 2020 for the Seattle Seahawks before I retired. So it was a it was a fun career. It, it opened up a lot of doors. It was obviously football has always been my my life. It's been my passion. It's been kind of all I've done since I was a little kid. So to to live out your dream and play 14 years in the NFL was something that I don't know if I ever thought was possible, but Thorn was a big part of that. I, I started taking Thorn products, you know, I'd say maybe 10 years, eight, eight years ago, give or take. Um, I actually first was exposed to it down training in Miami with my trainer down in South Florida. Um, he, he used all the Thorn products. They were NSF. And that was such a big issue for a lot of guys is taking supplements and, and whatnot during their training that, you know, contained substances that weren't on the label or that they weren't quite sure of. So to um to have the NSF stuff and, and have such an extensive line. He introduced me to it and then I continued it on my own here in Carolina for pretty much the entire bulk of my career. And it became a huge part of my daily routine, both in the morning and obviously before I went to bed each day and, and supplementing my training and supplementing my recovery. So it was um, you know, it was a it was a long journey and it took a lot of things to kind of to play 14 years. You need a lot of help and steps along the way. And you know, Thorne's products were were a huge part of that just organically. I did no deals with with you guys. I had no endorsement. It, it, I was buying it on my own dollar and I just believed in it and and felt like it was a worthwhile um, investment. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you played 14 seasons. Uh, we joke in the league that, that NFL stands for not for long, right? So can you talk about some of the things that, that you did along your career, you know, along with Thorne to kind of keep you on the on the field so long? And also kind of how you've seen over your career, kind of the the individual players um, approach to wellness recovery and understanding, uh, you know, one extra year is another year of earning another year of your career. How's that? How's that kind of evolved as you've been in the league? You know, I, I always viewed my off-season training and my prep, you know, really as an investment. It was an investment as, in my career, like you just said. You know, every year you play in the league, you know, your ability to earn, your ability to build your career, um, you know, just compounds. So I, I always looked at my off-season even more closely and more important as the regular season. You know, actually playing the games is the easy part. You know, that's the part everybody's excited about. That's the part everybody sees. That's the part that guys really get juiced up for. But how long can you be passionate and how long can you really be into the offseason training starting in February, starting from scratch, 
after a long season, you take a couple weeks off, like how many guys are willing to get back in there and dive back into their training and their nutrition and their recovery? And maybe you had an injury from the previous season that requires some rehab or, or, or maintenance. So it's, it's a nonstop 12 month cycle. And to a lot of guys, they don't physically burn out. They mentally burn out. And, and a big part of my approach was I knew I, if, as long as I stayed passionate and I still loved the training and continuing to search for new resources to improve my health, to improve my body, to improve my, my training and my gains. I knew as long as I stayed really, you know, engaged in that aspect, the season would take care of itself. And, and I can honestly say for, you know, 14 years, I always loved the off season. I always loved, you know, seeking out every off season, a new, a new path, a new turnover, a new stone and see what was under it. What could I implement into my program, into my routine on a daily basis that would just give me that little bit of an edge over somebody else. And um, being able to kind of push off aging, push off the decline. You know, I was fortunate that it didn't really happen until the very tail end of my career when, you know, I was 36, 37 years old. So I was that part of it. I always loved. And um, I always tell young guys, if you love the training and you love the off season, you'll have a long career because playing the games is the part everybody loves. I think you hit on something important. There's so many, so few people talk about the, the passion aspect of it. Right. And yes, it is a, it is your occupation, but uh, you know, if it's just a job, you know, that the tolls, the negatives are going to by far outweigh the positives. So did you have a kind of any uh, mentors or, or leaders along the way that kind of helped you understand, you know, not the football side, but kind of that the, the health, the wellness, the mental side of the game? I had a lot of guys, you know, just thinking back to, to college and just being exposed to training at a high level. Our strength coach at Miami, Andrew Swayze, was a, was a really good. He was tough. He was hard. He really worked as hard, but he had a really good background in, in running and, and conditioning and playing down in South Florida. If you couldn't run and you couldn't be in great shape, you couldn't play. So I, I got acclimated to that at an early age. I mean, even back to high school, you know, my dad was my, was my high school football coach. You know, he ran the, the whole program for 30 years. He was the weight, the strength coach. He was, he ran the weight room. He ran summer conditioning and spring training and all that. So, I mean, I was exposed to training and I was exposed to the importance of taking care of your body and, and what you put in it is what you're going to get out of it. I was exposed to that, you know, all the way back to a very young age. And then you know, I kind of took it to another level. When I came out of college, I trained at a place called Bomarito Performance Systems down in South Florida. And I was exposed to, to Pete Bomarito, who still runs it today. And I was really exposed to a whole new world of training, sophistication, everything from your, your micronutrient intake of, of, your, of your nutrition plan, all the way up to your periodization of how you train, how you run, um, you know, how you stagger your workouts from day to day, from morning to afternoon. I mean, it was a very, very precise um, approach training for the combine. And then my first five years in the league, I would go down to South Florida and I would train with him and continue to kind of build on that. It was less combine prep now, and it was more football training and just the knowledge and the information that I was able to learn and carry forward. Um, and then, you know, every stop along the way, you know, Rusty Jones is an all-time legendary strength and conditioning coach. He was my, he was my strength coach in Chicago. He's known, you know, for those, those Buffalo Bills teams that, you know, four straight Super Bowls and training, you know, Bruce Smith. I mean, he kind of pioneered a lot of the biomechanics and, 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 you know, that whole process, um, you know, here in, in, then in Charlotte, you know, where I played the bulk of my career, our strength and conditioning staff and our training staff was phenomenal. So just everywhere I went, I was just, I was put around somebody different with a different background. You know, here in Carolina, we had a lot of guys with a lot of more powerlifting and strength background, which was great to go along with a lot of the speed and the, and the on the field stuff that I had in other stops. So like to put it all together was just a really, really good um, combination. And 
you know, the, the teams that I had played for and the people that they had working with them, I just, everywhere I went, I wanted to learn information. I wanted to grow. I wanted to pick their brains. And part of that process was to learn, you know, to take ownership in your own career and take a little bit of what all these guys were doing and say, all right, this works for me. I'm going to take it and I'm going to run with it. Yeah, I think that that's such a great point. And I think it's a good idea for, for everyone to think about is, uh, you know, be, being around these great, amazing resources, is one thing, but being coachable, uh, you know, I think is, is really important. And, and that's one of the things we work with at Thorn is we kind of want to make sure that there's at least uh, as much information as possible uh, going into what you decide to put into your body. Um, and that's why we really love partnering with you and, and some of the things we've done on, on the healthy aging campaign. But before we dive into that, um, I think it's really important. You talked about, you know, ownership over what goes into your body. And, you know, that's one of the things we look at at Thorn with the NSF certified for sport line, which we touched on briefly, um, which is, a, you know, just an extra certification or extra level of testing to make sure that the, the ingredients in our supplements are, are guaranteed to be banned substance free. But can you talk a little bit about what a positive test actually means to an athlete like you know we see it on the news but like what that actually has impact on your career your reputation you know how important it is to stay uh, ahead of that yeah i mean i think the biggest thing you said is your reputation you know every athlete has a great amount of pride you know you don't you don't get to where you are if you don't have a great sense of pride and self-identity and and really take ownership and and really believe you know at the, at the end of the day if you don't believe in yourself and you don't put yourself at the top of the list no one else is going to believe in you and you work so hard over your entire career to build that reputation and and to and to and to just grow your career and build it and one negative test one you know they call it getting popped you know one one pop test one positive drug test your entire reputation is now in question and and guys fight their entire career sometimes to earn that back and and a lot of times guys do a lot of times they are simple mistakes and and it is a single one time offense and 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 people will move on and forgive you but you know I always just I always just looked at it like it wasn't worth it you know I I would rather just be a little bit you know a couple percentages you know less than than what I could possibly be if you just bend one rule or cut one corner. It just, it was never worth it to me. You know, I, I never wanted to go down that road. I, I just took such great pride in, in what I had built in my career and doing it the right way and doing it through training and education and knowledge and, and routine and discipline that I never wanted to, to ever go down that road. And, and the fact that there was such a, a that, that Thorn had such an extensive line, there's a lot of other companies that have NSF certified products, right? So I think it's important for everybody to know, like there are NSF products out there that are fairly relatively attainable. But the nice thing about Thorn was you could get your entire line, right? You can get all of your vitamins, you can get all your pre, your post, your recovery shakes, your proteins, your, your creatine. You, you could get everything that you would need, whether it's from your, you know, from your blood testing work, if you have to supplement any sort of, you know, vitamins or um, calcium, magnesium, zinc, any of those core ingredients, but also the training stuff, the hydration formulas and the post and pre shakes and all that. So to be able to just get it all from one source and one point of contact and just know that it was regulated and it was routine and it was the same and it was consistent was just so appealing to me and so many other guys that I trained with. So all those things, but at the end of the day, it's your reputation that's on the line. It's everything you've worked your whole life to build could come crashing down and be called into question with one bad supplement, one thing you took for granted, one time you were lazy and you didn't really check the ingredients. And you know, with the NSF and the thorn, the thorn line, it takes a lot of that question out and you can really be confident that what you put in your body is what they say it is. 
and you can move forward um, without having that hanging over your head. Yeah, that's the whole real intent of of the kind of depth of the line that we've come out with. Uh, you know, we've got a couple of people on our team. You know, I worked with, with athletes, professional and collegiate. Our VP of business development for sport, Wes Barnett, was a two-time Olympian and was competing in weightlifting in the 90s when it was really hard to get access to these products. So, you know, the ease at which we're we're trying to provide these supplements at the level they need to be um, and just give you really that peace of mind. So it's just one thing you don't have to worry about as you're rolling Absolutely. into. Uh, there's so many things on your checklist of what you need to do to do every yeah. day. To, to You do don't it. need one more thing to fret about, right? I mean, our entire day, our entire day is is stress and, and worry. And did I do enough? And am I ready for practice? And there's so many factors that go into to this lifestyle of being a professional athlete. The last thing that you want to worry about adding to the list is, is every vitamin I take is every supplement I take. Am I opening myself up to a risk of God forbid the next time I have the, you know, the, the, the note on my locker that it's my turn for a drug test. Is there a possibility at all? And it's just one less thing to, to have that peace of mind, as you said, is, is just so important. Yeah, so I'm going to shift a little bit here now. Um, we, we say on this podcast a lot, perform, performance is personal. For a long time, yours was, you know, every Sunday, make the postseason, that kind of thing, continue your career. You could be as passionate about, you know, we talk about running, somebody running their first 5K is as personal as, you know, the training you did. So kind of as you've kind of left the football world, transitioned into your post-playing career, what is kind of your definition of, of performance or, or what are you looking to, to kind of fuel these days? Yeah, I mean, my, my definition of it right now is is very different. You know, I, I look at it, you know, back when I was playing, I was training. You know, guys, I would always get on guys be like, oh, are you going to go work out? I was like, I don't work out. I train. There's a very specific purpose to everything I do. Every exercise, every pre, every recovery, every um, every warm up drill, every mobility drill. Like there's a very specific reason for everything I do. I, I train. I don't work out. Now I work out, right? Everything about my life now is just, healthy living and quality of life. I want to feel good when I go to the ball fields with the kids and, and run around with them. I want to feel good playing catch. I want to be able to go, you know, a couple of weeks ago, our foundation, um, we had our annual 5k and I want to be able, I mean, again, I'm not setting world records. I'm not running the entire three point two miles or whatever it is, but I want to be able to run a mile of it or two mile of it and have my feet not kill and have my knees not ache and be able to exercise with my wife and go play tennis and just be, just live a normal active lifestyle. You know, that's, that's where I am right now in this stage of my life. And, you know, albeit a very different quality of active, you know, of, of, of action and, 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 and movement and whatnot, but it's, it's, it's just what I'm doing now. It's what's important to me is just quality of life. It's being, you know, being active, being able to play with my kids, being able to, you know, go play golf, being able to go walk, be able to go run and just do things that a normal 37 year old guy should be able to do. It's just a lot of guys coming off, you know, coming off playing a long time in the NFL or whatnot, typically have a lot of things going on. Fortunately, I'm healthy in that regard. And I'm going to try to keep it that way. Yeah, that's that kind of leads us into my my kind of next question here. So you've partnered with us on our, our healthy aging campaign. And, you know, I really applaud you for, for starting now, right? Too many people consider aging, you know, when they're 65, right? But we kind of feel like healthy aging is, is healthy at, at, you know, any and every age. But what does healthy aging mean to you? You know, I, I think healthy aging is is really a lot of the things that we just talked about. I think if you put me under a, a scan and you x-rayed me and MRI'd me with my joints and with my feet and with my knees look like, you know, maybe someone who didn't play 15 years in the NFL. Yeah, probably. But where I am now, how how long can I stay at this state, right? How long can I push off the real big aging where I'm, I'm not able to be active? I'm not able to do the things that I'm accustomed to doing. Being able to prolong my quality of life now 
is a huge priority for me. You know, I don't want to be the guy at 40 years old who can't go run in the 5K and who can't go play tennis. And he has to, you know, act like he's 60. I don't want to be that guy. So I think getting ahead of it at an earlier age, you know, I'm still in the grand scheme of things. In the football world, I was like a dinosaur, but in the now I enter into the real world and I'm a relatively young guy, you know, and that's important for me. You know, there's so many things that I want to do on a daily basis that require me to feel good, to have the energy, to have the, not only the physical stamina, but the mental clarity to continue to be active and to continue to stimulate and challenge myself in new careers or in new, you know, in new endeavors or whatever it is. So there's an entire approach to, to just living and that's mental, it's emotional, it's physical and tying all those things together leads to a, you know, either a good quality of life or a poor quality of life. And, and I want to live a good quality of life. Um, I have a lot of things ahead of me. I got three young kids. I got, you know, a family. I want to, I want to enjoy all of that. There's a lot of things over the years that I haven't been able to enjoy because I was so wrapped up in my career and so wrapped up in playing that, that now I want to, I don't want that lost time to, uh, I don't want to lose out on it. So that's, uh, that's kind of my entire approach to all of this is I have a lot to do and I want to make sure I feel the best I can to do a lot of it. That's a that's a great mentality, and, and we look forward to uh, seeing where your your next kind of career takes you. But uh, we're gonna take a quick break here, and when we get back, we're gonna get into some questions from our audience. This is Joel with the Thorn Podcast Performance Edition. Do you have a health question or suggestion for a guest or topic that you would like to be featured on the show? Reach out to us on Instagram. Our handle is at Thornhill. Ask us a question or topic you'd like covered, and we'll try and cover it in future episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to the show in your podcast app. Get updates on the latest in medical research, the insider scoop on performance and health insights, and more when you subscribe to the Thorn Podcast. Thanks for listening. And we're back. Let's get into some of the questions from our audience. Um, Greg, actually, a lot of our questions came uh, from the kind of youth or early career um, audience. You've started a, a podcast called Youth Inc. to really actually address all of those. So it's not just a, a one quick question here. Can you talk a little bit about that podcast? And then I think kind of the one we got the most was kind of advice uh, you have for someone early in their career. What kind of the you know, the intention and the habits that you had built throughout your careers. Are there any of them you would have started earlier or wish you had started earlier? Yeah. So my podcast, we just started uh, a few months back and it's called Youth Inc. And it's really just a deep dive into the world of youth sports and and the changing landscape and, and the challenges that not only children are facing kind of navigating this world and the pressures being put on them to pick a sport or pick a path and, and stick with it at a very, you know, at an earlier and earlier age, it seems with each passing year. And then also the challenges that, you know, youth coaches and parents who are in charge of helping kind of navigate these waters for their children and for these young kids. And, um, you know, a lot of these families out there, including my own, don't have a lot of the answers. So we set forth on, on this journey, um, through youth Inc. And, um, we've really enjoyed it. It's been fun. We've had some really cool conversations with, with families and doctors and, um, former athletes, current athletes, um, you know, Olympians, you name them, and just getting their perspective on not only what their path was like as a young athlete growing up, but also now what it's like navigating it potentially as a coach or as a, as a father, as a mother. Um, so it's been, it's been really cool. And, you know, as far as advice that I would give, you know, to not only young kids, but maybe somebody, you know, a rookie in the NFL or a rookie, you know, 
it's not so much for the young kids, but really for the guys that are trying to make a career of this, you know, a rookie first year player in the NFL or whatnot. My, my advice to them was, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing. And right now you're a football player or you're a basketball player, whatever it is Like guys, all of a sudden, for whatever reason, human instinct is I've made it. And now all of a sudden I believe that I'm a, I'm a master at everything. I'm a businessman. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a, I'm on social media, like all of a sudden they think because they made it in football that it opens up all these doors. And it does. There's a time and a place later on for football or whatever sport you're playing to open doors to a second career and a, and a, and a next chapter in life. But when you're just setting out, your entire life needs to revolve around what's in the best interest for you to have the longest and the most successful careers possible. And that's in, that's in what you do off the field. That's in what you do at night. That's your sleep. That's your daily routine of your training, your nutrition, what you put in your body, the people you hang out with, like anything that takes away from what you're doing, trying to earn and, and, and grow your career needs to be eliminated. And that obsessive nature as, as daunting as that is, and as hard as that is for some guys to really build that discipline, I just believe wholeheartedly gets you off to a great start. And then over time, as you settle in and you start kind of earning your stripes and you start building that, that career and that, and that routine, and you know what works for you and what doesn't, and, and you have a little more stability in, in, in the league or whatnot, then there's time for other things. And, and there's going to be plenty of time the rest of your life. Like you said, it's not for long. You know, if you, if you, if you give 10 years of your life to your career, you can set yourself up that you're going to retire in your early thirties and you have the rest of your life to do whatever you want. You don't get to ever go back. You know, there's no looking back and saying, Oh, I, I'm going to go back and give that another run. No, when it's over, it's over. So I tell guys all the time, man, if you get the opportunity to put on this Jersey, if you get this opportunity to get a paycheck in the NFL, don't blow it because there's so many guys that are ready to take your spot. I've seen so many careers just derailed because guys weren't willing to just lock in and, and keep what's important, important in the moment because they wanted to be everywhere at any time doing everything else. And um, it's hard, but that's my biggest message to young guys if they want to have a long career. Yeah, for sure. There's no uh, there's no master's tour in the NFL, right? Nope. When it's over, it's over. So I have a, we have a question here, and I think it's got an interesting one. The question was, what have you taken from football into the booth? And I would say, and into retirement, um, what it, like what learnings have you brought to your second career? And then conversely, what has the booth and retirement taught you? I've really enjoyed coming into the booth. I think it was a it was a perfect transition for me coming out of the game. You know, keeping me stimulated. I always wondered, you know, what am I going to do when football's over? I, I had never this fall. You know, fall of twenty one was the first fall since I was five six years old that I didn't play football. I mean, this was my entire life. This was what I did since I was a young boy. And, um, you know, I was, I, there's always that concern in the back of your head. Like when it's gone, like, what are you going to do? Like, how do you fill that void that you've known for 30 years? I think going into the booth was a really good transition for me. It, it kept me stimulated. It kept me really engaged in the game, uh, connected with former players and former coaches, continuing to kind of stay up on the nuances and the evolution and the change within the game that happens every single year and you take it for granted when you're in it, right? You're in the locker room, you're breathing it, you're living it every day. And then from the outside, you know, the game kind of passes you by if you don't really stay active and, and following closely to the, you know, to the new trends and the new fads and what's going on, um, you know, within the game. So it was good for me to, to stay involved. I love talking the game. I love seeing it and kind of taking what I see and trying to present that in a manner in which the viewer can understand it, not only understand it, you know, at its simplest level, but also embrace and, and, and you know, and, and love the complexity that is the game of football. So I think finding that balance has always been kind of fun for me. And, 
it was a great first year. I had a blast doing it. And um, I look forward to, to continuing to study and continuing to improve and see where it takes me. It's great to hear. Our next question asks about uh, after training for football for so long, what do you do for sport training and fun now? So I took up tennis, which, which I do a couple times a week. Like I'm not in like a league. I, I have never really played a competitive match. Last su- end of last summer, fall, I started just going to like men's clinics and taking some lessons and just kind of my, my thought was I'd played golf my whole life, but I'm, you know, I'm a bad golfer. I'm like a nineties golfer. I just don't take it serious. I do it more to just hang out with the guys, go out, hang out, play golf, fellowship, play with buddies and just keep it fun. And I always said like, I'm never going to turn golf. I take enough things in my life serious. I don't need that to be my like, and stress about that and try to see how good I can get. And then at the same time, drive around in a golf cart and drink a beer. So I was like, I need something that I can like stress to learn. And, but it's also going to give me a little workout. It's going to give me something to, you know, stimulate me physically, mentally. And it, and it was something I had never done before. So that's been fun to kind of start from scratch and just learn something from new. Gives you a great appreciation for just how difficult it is. So there's kind of a mental approach of staying sharp and staying kind of engaged and, and learning a new skill that's been fun. Um, and then obviously the physical nature of it, running around, change direction, you know, be out there in the heat in the summer and playing. So I've enjoyed that. I spend a lot of time at the fields coaching my kids' teams and at the end of practice we'll run or we'll condition or whatnot and I'll do it with them. So I kind of stay active in those kind of settings. I don't go run on the treadmill. I don't go to the weight room and bench press. Like those days are over. I just stay active in my normal lifestyle learning some new things. And um, again, just to try to have a good quality of life so I can do a lot of the things that I want to. Yeah, it's uh, you've, you've earned the right to, uh, yeah. to not, not be looking at your benchmarks anymore, your, your sprint times. So. Yeah, those days are over. <laughs> uh, we've got a great question, and, and I'm going to add to it a little bit. So the question's about mentorship. You know, you've been pretty vocal about how lucky you were, you know, having your dad as a coach, the coaches you had, and, the, you know, the, the strength coaches and Pete, and, you know, on the physical side. But the question is, is how do you start mentoring and i think that what they're kind of asking is when you're a senior or you know upperclassman in college you can be mentoring younger people when you're a veteran you can be mentoring rookies i think the question is kind of you know at what point can you be confident enough to be a mentor you know i I think in order in order to lead right mentoring to me is like being a leader i think in order to lead you have to do first I think so many guys want to be leaders they want to be vocal they want to be mentors they want to tell everybody else what to do but they're not doing it So I think if you want guys to follow you and you want guys to look at you as an example of, I want to be this guy, I want to get in his pocket and I want to do everything he does. You got to be seen as the guy who does it every single day. You don't have to tell everybody what you're doing. Guys take notice. And whether that's in high school, whether that's in youth sports or whether that's professionally, people take notice of the people who do the work consistently the right way. And, um, you know, I just believe in, in the action first. And over time, you'll learn when it's when it's the right time to kind of take that mentorship. But until you have your own issues at bay, until you have your own, you know, kind of career stabilized and you have your own kind of stability, no one's going to follow you. And if you're worried about everyone following you, but you're not taking care of yourself, you're leading people in the wrong direction. So I, I, handling yourself first is just so important. There will be a time and place for you to put your arm around somebody and bring them along and show them the right way. But if I'm going to follow someone, I'm going to make sure that I'm following them in the right direction. And in order to do that, that's a daily process. That is a daily routine. That is consistency and discipline. That is very challenging. There's a lot of people that want to lead, uh, you know, the pregame speech. There's a lot of guys that want to be the rah-rah hype man. But at the end of the day, guys want to follow action. They want to follow the guys who do it 
on a regular basis. And um, so I would just encourage anybody out there, you know, if you're looking to be a mentor and you're seeking it out, it's probably too early. It, it'll come to you when you're ready. And that's by focusing on yourself. That's by looking internally and, 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 and just saying, hey, what can I do to improve on a daily basis? What can I do to be a better teammate? What can I do to serve the people around me better? If you do that and you take that approach, all of a sudden you're going to turn around one day and there's going to be people standing behind you saying, okay, what, what's next? You know, what, what's the next drill? I'm just going to do exactly what you do. It'll happen over time, but I believe it has to be in that order for it to really work. Yeah, and I, I think you've kind of touched on this a few times throughout the, the conversation here. It, just like yourself, you're, it, and I think a lot of times it's, it's on the person to be seeking out the mentorship as well. But you've talked about you're always trying to find new information, lifelong learner. So you're still being mentored, even though you've been a mentor to so many people throughout your career. So I think that's kind of important to realize, like, it's not like you have to be someone's sensei or know everything about everything, right? Like you like say, if you're doing it and you're doing an action, people try and emulate, be like, okay, yeah, no, that's what I want. That's what I want from you. So yeah, yeah. I don't think, I don't think it needs to be as um, strict, like, okay, I'm uh, I'm inviting you to be my mentee. That's not, yeah, it, it doesn't happen like that. And I'll tell you, I think you made a good point. I think the best people and the best leaders are the ones who realize they don't know it all. And they're the ones that do have the self-awareness of saying, I'm falling short here or I need to go out and seek more information because I don't have the answers in this area. Like the, the people who realize they don't have all the answers, they are the lifelong learners. They are the people who are always trying to educate themselves and, and, and challenge their thinking and challenge their, their approach and, and reevaluating their, you know, just because you've done it for the last five years doesn't mean that year six, that's the best way to do it. Like there's always this self-reflection that allows you to grow and continues to allow you to stay up with the times or even, you know, be a true leader, right? Be an innovator, be someone who's ahead of the curve. So I think people that fall on the status quo and just, just resort back to here's how I've always done it. Here's what I do. So I'm never going to change. Like, I think you can get stale and I think that, that things can pass you by as well. So I think that, that idea, like you said, of being a lifelong learner and somebody who's always looking to, to think ahead and challenge themselves first, those people typically have a, have a tendency of staying ahead. We got this question kind of from everybody, so uh, we know you're you're taking some products. But what are your favorite products right now? You know, when I when I was, you know, so yeah, so right now I take the Niacel. I'm, I'm a big believer, like in the in the anti aging stuff. So like all the the joint health stuff, the glucosamine, uh, the joint health, my knees, my feet. I broke my feet a bunch, so like I have some bone stuff going on in, in my feet from my career. So you know, with calcium and magnesium, like anything that promotes bone health, um, vitamin D. Just anything that helps promote like bone health, joint health, um, you know, and then there's all sorts of stuff you can take for like your brain development and just anti-aging stuff just to remain like cognizant and sharp. So at this stage of my life, like we've talked about now a lot, it's like just getting up in the morning, feeling good, getting out of bed and moving on. When I was playing, I took a lot more. I actually had like a whole, um, I took like a tackle box, you know, like that you would like a fishing tackle box. And every Sunday night I would go through and I would put my pills in each, you know, of the little contain of the little like pocket you know like you make the little square out of the plastic divider is what i was trying to say and it would be my routine and i would take you know morning a.m p.m a.m p.m and um so aside from all like the bone the bone the bone and the joint health and the, the vitamins and the supplements and whatnot and then i would carry with me all my protein my pre my post my recovery the the, the catalyte which you know which is like the hydration stuff so i i carried like a whole gym bag with me to and from all my training sessions and just made sure I had everything that I needed. So I, I don't, I'm not at that extent anymore. I, I've really scaled down, but yeah, but it's still a big part of my daily routine to this day. 
Yeah, I think I think you kind of hit on something that that I found uh, in my career too. Is I spent so much time trying to help athletes physically recover and, and you know make sure they're they're on top of their game and they're fueled for the training. But you know the the brain uses twenty plus percent of the calories just to just to do what it does every day. So anytime we're asking more out of it, it took me entirely too long in my career to, to be able to focus on that. And like, okay, what are the nutrients the brain needs? Yeah. All right, if we're going to take it out, we need to put it back in, right? So it's the same idea we have for physically training the muscles. Like, what do we take out of the muscles? What do we need to put back in? So I think it's great kind of st- stepping back and be like, okay, what am I I'm using? My brain is my biggest asset right now, right? For for years, I asked my body to be a big part yeah. of that. And, uh, and knowing that, you know, as we as we age we have different demands for what what's most important to us so I, I think it's great to kind of see that okay yeah this is what was important to me there this is kind of uh, uh what what's important to me now and uh, you've done a little bit of uh testing with us uh in the past uh that's another thing we're kind of expanding on it's, it's great to okay i have a pretty good idea that this is what's happening but it's always great to prove it right and have those data points so kind of how is that idea of getting some actual numbers around just like you know we, we talked about bench press and 40 back in back in uh combine days right like what yeah. are what are the what how have those metrics helped you kind of really dial in what you're focusing on yeah i think it's huge i, I think anytime you do any of the you know you can do the age testing you know the blood work you know and get and get your numbers back and i think as opposed to just blindly taking you know x amount of you know milligrams of this supplement or this and just throwing darts at the wall, which is better than nothing, right? To, to supplement and to introduce, you know, quality vitamins and nutrients and supplements into your body is a positive in, in some capacity, but to really be able to pinpoint where your needs and where your deficiencies are, and then supplement and, and kind of go from there, both through nu- your nutrition and what you consume, but also through your vitamins and, and, and supplements with Thorn. I think that's when you can really make a huge impact, right? You're not just flying blind. You have the you have some real strong data that says, all right, you're really deficient in these areas. We need to supplement it not only outside of, of your nutrition plan, but also but also within your plan. Um, that's when I saw my best results. And then when you go back and you retest, you know, after a few months, six months, whatever it was, and you go back and you retest, and not only now could you feel the difference in your, you know, you're in your energies or in your, you know, how your joints felt or, but you know, whatever the category was. But then all of a sudden when the data matches, you say, Hey, yeah, you felt better because we were able to raise your scores, you know, your vitamin D your, you know, your zinc, you know, whatever it was, we were able to raise those, those scores out of some really low numbers and bring them back to baseline. It's no wonder you felt the actual, you know, subjective results on the field. So it's, um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty powerful tool that we can have. And it's super easy. I mean, it's as simple as a blood test and you fill up a couple of vials and then they send you a pretty, a pretty detailed report. So I've done that for years. And then to be able to go along with my nutritionist and my team and say, all right, what's our plan to, you know, address some of these things that are out of whack and, and get everything back kind of to a stable level, stable level. Um, it gave us a target that we could shoot for as opposed to just firing blind. Yeah, no, I think there's there's something great about about having that feedback, and it is so hard to kind of get some of that internal feedback. Yeah, and I love using the testing more. So, okay, this is where we started. I did the work. I want to prove that it actually made a change. Of course, right? it's like so, anything. We all want to win. There's we're always a little bit com- competitive, right? So of even course. with our with our within our own self. But I kind of want to where you know appreciate the time, and I kind of where we're leading at. But I kind of want to end on talking a little bit about you know something that's very important to you uh the hardest yard foundation um can you kind of talk a little bit about how that came to be and the work you're doing and just you know raise some awareness 
Yeah. So back in 2012, my wife and I had a son, um, TJ, that was born with a very congenital, a very serious congenital heart defect. He was born with half of a heart. He under he underwent three open heart surgeries in his first two years of life um, to rework, you know, how the heart functions to to make him, in essence, a single ventricle is what they call him, a single ventricle baby. And um, you know, he he had a tough first couple of years, but then kind of stabilized and and was able to live a you know a relatively normal quality of life. And then actually last summer, so well, then we we started the heart to share back in two. 2013, shortly after his first surgery. And um, the idea was that we could provide better resources to these families that are going to go down this journey that we did. You know, there's private nursing, um, private in-home nursing care and, and therapies. And, and, and there's a lot of care that revolves around these babies once they leave the hospital walls. And a lot of that was a big burden to a lot of families. So that was our original goal and our original program. And then the Hardest Yard has really grown. We opened up a, uh, a comprehensive, you know, 25,000 square foot comprehensive heart center here in Charlotte um, at Levine Children's Hospital that we were able to fund and open. And it houses all the multidisciplines of the pediatric cardiac program here in our hospital, in our region. Um, so that, that was a really cool project that we opened at the end of 2020. And then little do we know last summer, uh, summer of 20, just about a year ago today, um, our son was diagnosed in with uh, heart failure. His his heart had given out, and he was in heart failure. And it was determined that he was going to need um, a heart transplant. So on June fourth of last year, at eight years old, uh, TJ had a heart transplant, and um, it went very well. And he's coming up on his one year heart anniversary that we're going to celebrate pretty big here in a couple of weeks. And, um, you know, we're just so thankful for for the journey that he's been on and the amazing care that we have that our program just, you know, continues to alongside with um, with Levine Children's Hospital here in Charlotte. We're about to branch to our second, we're going about to bring our program to our second location down in Charleston at, at Charleston called um, MUSC uh, Children's Hospital. And um, so we're just continuing to expand our resources and our ability to elevate this care for for everybody who has a very similar story to us. So it's something we're very passionate about, something we spend a lot of time on. You know, we're very thankful for for how TJ's doing, and we just wanted to make sure we do our part to to ensure as many kids can have that outcome as we did. Yeah, it's such a such an important uh, project there, and uh, good great to hear that uh, TJ may be the strongest Olsen in the family. Oh, for so, sure. Yeah, that's... he's uh, he's killing it. He's he's excited because. Um, not next week, it's Memorial Day. The weekend after, he's got a baseball tournament, and it's actually the Saturday the start of the tournament will be his one-year anniversary from his heart transplant. So last year, at that exact time, he was laying in an operating room, having his heart taken out and replaced by someone else's. And here we are exactly a year later, and he's playing baseball and going to be out and running around. And it's just, it's pretty cool. So it's, uh, we're just so thankful for that. That's absolutely incredible. And uh, Greg, that's all the time we have. But uh, where can where can our listeners find out more about The Hardest Yard, your podcast? How can they keep keep up with everything, Greg Olson? Yeah, we got a lot going on. So um, you can download Youth Inc. at any at wherever you get your podcast. So Spot, uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you can download it and listen to it. We have uh, 12 episodes. We have our new episode tomorrow dropping. So we will have 13. So we, we've got a lot of content on there that I think people are going to love. It's very evergreen. You can listen to it in any order at any time. So I think people will love that. And then they can learn more about our foundation. Our found the website is www.r the number four r dot org, r4r.org. And um it'll have all of our programs on there and all the work that we've done and uh future events and future expansion that we're that we're looking forward to. So I appreciate you helping us get the word out there and appreciate you having me on. This was a lot of fun. Uh, loved it man. Appreciate the time and that was Greg Olson. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for listening to the Thorn Podcast Performance Edition. 
Make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on your podcast app of choice. You can also learn more about the topics we discuss by visiting thorn.com and checking out the latest news, videos, and stories on Thorn's Take 5 Daily blog. For this performance edition of the Thorn Podcast, I'm Joel Totoro, reminding everyone to stay active and stay hydrated.